1894, a nine-year-old boy named Stephen Poplowski immigrated from Poland to Racine, Wisconsin. 24 years later, Stephen founded a tool company and had a mission. He wanted to find a way to mix drinks like malts and milkshakes, but he didn't have a way to do it quickly. Consequently, he decided to take a spinning blade, put it at the bottom of a container, connect it to a motor, hit a button, and bam, the blender is born. Now called a liquidizer in the United Kingdom, in 1937, the machine was introduced to the public and sold for a whopping $29.75. Even more important than the modern invention of the blender that served drinks for consumers, in 1955, Jonas Salk, on the path to develop medicine and a polio vaccine, used a blender as part of his remedies. I can only think when I hear about the blender in nutritional healing that our guests today have made Hippocrates proud. Because what Hippocrates said way back 5,000 years ago is let food be thy medicine, let medicine be thy food. Which brings us to today's guests. Welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I am Chuck Garcia, and my guests today are Veronica Wheat and Brandon Kress. Veronica and Brandon, welcome to A Climb to the Top. Thank you. Thanks for having us. No, it's great to have you here. And Veronica, we sometimes refer to you, and I know your website is called Chef V. Do you prefer Veronica, Chef V, or do you go either way? Um, I prefer Chef V because a lot of times people mess up Veronica, so uh, <laughs> they'll say Valerie or Victoria, so V is great. No, V is good. Well, Chef V, um, it's great to have you here. When I talked in the opening about nutritional healing, I think it's best to introduce you, as I see you, as nutritional therapist. Is that a fair conclusion? Yes. So, mm -hmm. Chef, you are an author. And Brandon, you are Chef V's partner. Is that the best way of putting it? Yep. Happy and, partner. Happy partner and CFO of the enterprise. Well, let, let's get back before we get into your story of transformation. Veronica, let me hear from you. Give us your background. Where where did this all start? Well, in 2010, I graduated college in San Marcos, California. Mm -hmm. I was a psychology major and kind of dreading going to grad school. And my husband, Chef or Brandon, um, at the time was an entrepreneur. And I was kind of really curious about how being an entrepreneur worked and, you know, not having to clock in every day and going to work. So I asked him, you know, how can I be an entrepreneur? What, what can I do? And he said, well, what's your passion? You know, if you had a million dollars in the bank, what would you do? And I said, oh, I've always just wanted to be a chef and cook and write cookbooks. And he kind of just looked at me and said, well, what are you waiting for? So I said, okay, well, how do I go about this? And he said, well, you're an amazing chef. I think you should just put yourself out there. So I did put myself out there. I called my greatest friends and just said, hey, I'm going to cook for you for free. And if you like it, rehire me. And the phone calls kept coming in. I was being hired for all sorts of events, catering, um, real estate events, showers, weddings, parties. And it was a lot of fun and I had a really good passion for it. So I created a meal delivery company where I would deliver um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner to people all around San Diego County. And part of my meal delivery 
um, was this green drink that I would serve to people. Uh, it's a raw blend of greens mixed with just a tiny bit of apple. It's really low sugar, and I would force people to drink this before all their meals. They'd get this rush of nutritional. <laughs> oh, no, um, no, stop there. You would force them. Yeah, so this I would is in, in the French. Great, they, they call it an amuse bouche. The the palate cleanser <laughs> is, is is that what you were going for? Um, well, really, you know, it's really more about you know when you're putting food in your body, your body really needs nutrients first. And so if you're having, you know, let's say a burger and a salad, if, if you're eating the salad first, you're going to get all the nutrients and then then having the burger later. But if you're having the burger first, you're not going to be able to get the nutrients from the salad. So it's really like the order of operation, which we're putting food into our body. And really the most important is the first thing you're putting in your body. So I'd preach them to them, drink the green drink first. And so I have this meal delivery company and all of a sudden all these health revelations started ha happening to all my clients. And, you know, they might not be sharing their food with their friends or family, but they were sharing the green drink and they were saying, Oh, look at my private chef. She makes this green drink. And this is 10 years ago, Chuck also. So 10 years ago, nobody really knew what a green drink was. Like nine out of 10 people had no clue what a green drink was. Uh, the only green drink on the market was naked juice green machine, which is not even a real green juice. Right. And so, you know, we really hit the market at the right time. And all these people started coming to me, Jeff B, how do I get your green drink? How do I get your green drink? And I was kind of like, well, that's not the program. You know, the program is I'm a chef, I cook food and the green drinks just kind of like this thing that I really believe in and I want people to drink, but right. I don't just do the green drink. Well, enough people started asking and, you know, my husband, um, is an accountant and he kind of ran some numbers and he said, wow, you know, I think we can just do this green drink thing only. And it started, you know, clicking in our heads. So we created this weekly green drink delivery. I ditched the food and it was the best thing that ever happened to me as far as running a business. Mm -hmm. I wasn't bogged down in the kitchen making a hundred meals every night. Now I was able to make one drink, hire people to help me make it and start a delivery company. So we started in San Diego, delivering all around the county. Then we expanded to LA, Orange County. And that was about three, three four years, so 2010, 2014. And in 2014, we decided our delivery model, let's pack it up and let's move it to New York City. All right, I so want, we, and, I'm, and I'm glad for that because I know you are in West, West Caldwell, New Jersey, but I, I want to take a moment here and Brandon, I'm certainly going to ask your your contribution here. Chef V, when you made that decision, I'm going to not do what I was doing, even though you were trained and, and, and as, as, as unscalable as it may seem, cooking for 100 people a full course is difficult. But to make the choice now, we're going to create this niche. This is something new you otherwise hadn't thought of. What were the fears, the anxiety, how are you feeling in the transition? Definitely. Um, you know, you're, you're making a leap. So is this going to work? Like I said, nine out of 10 people didn't know what a green drink was. So how do we market something that nobody knows what the heck it is? Right. And we really believed in, you know, having a week of it because if someone just buys one drink, they're not going to see the benefit of it. So we really, you know, we decided, you know, we really got to get people on this weekly thing so that they're having it every week. So they see the benefits. Right. Um, 
I'd like to touch yeah. on that briefly. Yeah. I think one thing that, that Chef V had to sacrifice was the, 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 the cooking and the passion for food. That, that in order to scale our business, we really had to focus on one drink. And that becomes, a, that becomes more of a job. You're trying to train people, the deliveries, and lots of thousands of customers that you're having to deal with. And you really transition from this passion, this fun cooking, so now you're running a business and a job, and that transition, um, she's done done a wonderful job, but it, it's not, not an easy transition for anyone. Well, Brandon, putting your accountant hat on as the CFO, what were your considerations that you were at this point, okay, can we do this? What was required in order to open up or create the factory and all of the production necessary to make this work? So a couple things. Uh, we, we, we ran the numbers, and 100, if we can get 100 people on a weekly subscription, we really thought we'd have something. Okay, so uh, we the quickly, subscription model, that was the first business consideration. Mm, that, that's correct. Right. We had to have a subscription model. It was all okay. about the subscription. Okay. Um, and then um, having, uh, d doing your own deliveries, there's a lot of money in, in the logistics. And we're paying, a, a, you know, a, a lot of companies are paying UPS, FedEx, a lot of money. And if you can figure out how to do your own deliveries, there, there, there's a, a, a lot of margin there that, that really helps the, the bottom line. But I would imagine for the delivery, that means you were probably going to stay within some reasonable circle of your base, which was San Diego. What were you thinking about the expansion? Well, in the beginning, definitely we were starting in San Diego. But when you have a delivery model, it's really based on population density. Right. So dense population, San Diego, 3 million people. Right. Dense population, close to us, Orange County, again, a couple million people. LA, 10 million people. So we, we tested it. It worked. It was successful. So we thought next biggest popula densest population, New York City, metro <laughs> area. So that we, we was our decision that. to go there. While you were building it in San Diego then, were you delivery or did you establish a retail outlet where people could come to you? Um, in the beginning, actually, we, we rented kitchens. Okay. So it was a commercial kitchen where we would rent it by the hour. And we would even rent like non-peak hours in the very beginning just to save money and, and build our business until uh, we outgrew our first rental kitchen. We actually got kicked out because we had so many orders. We were hogging up all the space. Good problem to have. So we Class moved. Problem, we, right. we got a much bigger facility with like five refrigerators. Huge. Thought we could never outgrow this. We outgrew that in less than a year. Wow. So with those, they were just commercial kitchens. They did not have a retail front. However, because our model was delivery, some people would, delivery wouldn't work for them. So they would come pick up at our facility. Okay. Um, in 2014, we built our own facility in San Marcos, California. We took over an old bakery and turned it into our production facility with a tiny little storefront where people could come pick up the product. And Brandon, um, what, what, what was going through your mind? There was a validation the subscription model was working, but you had to figure out the expansion and the scale. What were you thinking about what direction this was gonna head in? So this is pretty interesting. Um, when, when it comes to food and beverage, there's one that there, there's a couple great things for entrepreneurs and people who, who don't have a lot of startup cash mm -hmm. is one people like local unique food and beverage that that's popular 
It's only getting more popular. And then as Chef V touched on, you can rent a kitchen by the hour. You don't need to go build a big facility. If you're doing deliveries or selling at a farmer's market or have some other way of selling other than a retail store, you can go and rent a kitchen by the hour and get started at very, very low cost. So at first, you didn't have to assume ownership of a plant. You could outsource it. But at some point, you had to make the conversion. Was it financially viable in order to do that? The orders were there, and it was a very easy transition. Okay, good. So you, you had enough business to justify it. But Chef V, you had to figure out how do we keep maintaining the quality and yet also expand the quantity? How'd you do it? Well, I mean, yeah, that's definitely always um, a hard part. So in the beginning, we used to like, I mean, we still hand blend every single individual gallon. So unless you've ordered, we don't make it. It's not like we're making this ginormous amount and praying that people come buy it. We get all the orders in and then we make it. So we've still kept that, um, but we have had to, you know, we used to bottle it like individually by hand. Now we've scaled up, we have bottling machines, so we still blend everything individually, each gallon, we keep a count, but now you know, we have machines that kind of help us bottle and, and get the process going a lot, lot faster. Um, so quality control is always like the top of my list right. because we are blending raw vegetables um, and we're trying to make people healthy, not, not sick. So, um, and it's an organic product and it's never pasteurized. Right. So you know, maintaining that is very, very, crucial to me and critical um, and we're using organic product and it's all vegetables so we have a lot of checks in place um, we are certified organic so we have a lot of inspections annually we have a lot of tracking tracing that we're always doing you're listening to a climb to the top stories of transformation on 77 wabc my guest this evening is chef v veronica wheat and the cfo of her organization branding crest let me switch if i may because I'm not saying that the food is easy, but what we know is you have a list of ingredients, you have a process. But right now, I'm only looking at two people representing the interest of Chef V. I would imagine you have hired people along the way. Tell us about the building of your organization and the challenges that have come with other people coming now into your organization. Yeah, well, definitely, I think the hardest part about any business is the people and hiring the right people and finding the right people. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate to have amazing people helping us this entire time. Um, you know, we have some people that have been with us since the very, very beginning for 10 years. So that's amazing. Um, you want to touch on? Well, yeah, as difficult as it is, when you do find the right people and you are able to, to work on your business instead of in the business is very satisfying. Right. Um, I will say I tend to be soft and I really give people the, the, the benefit of the doubt. But at the end of the day, if you have the wrong people on the bus, then you need to get them off. And that's hard. But so Brand, uh, Brandon, expand, expand on that because I think so many of our listeners are entrepreneurs. They, what, they, they have their mission. They want to build an organization. What are the challenges that you have faced? Just a couple examples to make it realistic for the listeners who may be thinking of the same model. Um, so I think it has to do with every relationship. People want to be heard. They want empathy. They want to be understood. Right. And it, it really is about love, as, as silly as that sounds. 
that, that has to be the basis for every relationship, especially at work with your employees. They have to know that you love them, and in turn, they will love you. All right. Well, you're suggesting to Chef V to you, is that the culture of this organization that you build that you, you set out to create? I mean, yeah, we, we love our employees. We try and teach, uh, take care of everyone and we love our clients. You know, we really want to have, you know, we're trying to make people healthy and, um, you know, try to make our employees healthy. Right. And, you know, we hope that everyone feels the love in Chef V. So Chef V does cook meals and it's for her employees now, not for her clients. So we, we, we are, some people still are enjoying her meal. Okay. Oh, so, so it's not just, you're not just, hey, welcome to the organization. You're going to drink green drinks for breakfast, <laughs> lunch, and dinner. You, Chefy, continue to hold to your passion of cooking all things. Yeah, I cook every Monday for my staff. Oh, that's really great. What is it like managing this on opposite poles of the country? Well, luckily, technology um, makes things a lot easier today. So I have cameras in both facilities. I can manage everything from my home. Um, I do have amazing people in place. So I have great managers that I trust that I'm in contact with every day. And, you know, I, I trust them to run everything and I'm in contact with them. I get reports every day. I see the numbers every day. Um, I'm on camera watching them. I'm, I'm watching all the orders that come through and we're in constant contact um, for products and just quality and all of those things. So you know, I, I would imagine, I, I love San Diego and the food. It's always fresh. New York is more challenging to get curly parsley. That's probably as good as what you might get from a farm in California. Does that assume that your production facility in San Diego and in, in, uh, on the East Coast in, in, in New Jersey, do they look alike or are there differences because of the geography? They're pretty much fraternal twins. Yeah. Okay, that's a good way of looking at it. I would imagine, though, you have to be adaptable to the East Coast where the ingredients are not as fresh. Is that fair? You know, I thought that um, five years ago, six years ago when we moved there. Uh, but when I, and I, I was pleasantly surprised. And actually, before we moved to New York the first time, we heard every single negative thing you could ever hear from people on the West Coast. Oh, you can't deliver there. The mob's going to stop you. Did, did anybody remind you of the fact that you are in the garden state? <laughs> and so we, you know, we listened to our guts and we went for it. And pleasantly to our surprise, it's New York City. They have everything there in the world. And there's hundreds of juice companies popping up in New York City. So where's all their produce coming? They have so many um produce companies that are that have to get this done and there's actually tons of farms in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, there's so many farms and when they don't have it they do get it from California and it comes basically overnight so um, you know they're, they're I'm pleasantly surprised that I've never actually ran into a shortage issue on the East Coast. Brandon let me switch the focus just a, a second as the CFO having to expand now you you have to rule over so to speak two different places what were the financing challenges and how were you feeling in the expansion? Um, so as Veronica touched on earlier if you don't order it we don't make it and that's how we keep it very fresh but one other plus to that is we get paid before we make it now, so as we grew, we never, we, 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 
it was basically impossible for, for us to run out of money because the, the, the cash was there with the orders to go buy the produce, uh, to, to make the deliveries. Um, so that was, that, 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 I, I actually would say that was very lucky. That wasn't really a plan, but getting paid up front and not having to go chase after money, um, that really allowed us to, to grow fast and not run out of money. And, and a lot of the profit that we got, we would put back into the business, especially in the beginning. So that's how we really grew. Instead of taking the money home, we bought trucks, we bought facilities, and invested in Chef G. All of it. Right. And, and looking back then, the subscription model started, was that 2014? Do I have the date right? 2012 is when I stopped doing the food and started doing just the green drink. Okay, and is the business model, here we are eight years later, is it the same or did it, did you add to it? It's pretty much exactly the same. We, we, we used to do buy one week, get one week free. That was kind of our um, amazing offer that, you know, and it was money, 100% money back guarantee in the first week. So that was kind of our offer for like six, seven years. And now we just kind of changed it to, um, now it's a monthly subscription okay. um, and you get 50% off when you subscribe. Okay. So, and I'll touch on that too, Chuck, real quick is we have tried a, a, a other things like adding other products and a certain bundle. Why and to be honest, it, it, it just confused our customers and it was more of a headache for us. And our production. And so we've gone back. We, we, we actually ha had to go back to what works. And that well, was, um, we really hyper-focused on what, what worked in the past. Well, and that has really treated us well. It's an interesting business lesson because you started as, you had a niche. And that's a specific thing. And yet you were open-minded enough to recognize maybe there's other ways to diversify the revenue stream. Yet in the end, you were pulling back to say, stick to your niche. Yes. Right? Exactly. But then along the way for purposes of branding, Chef V, you wrote a pretty cool book and talk about the, give us the title of the book, why you wrote it and who you wrote it for. So the title of the book is called Making Cleansing Easier. And I wrote it for my clients mainly because a lot of people would do my cleanse successfully, lose a lot of weight, and then they'd say, now what do I eat? And so I wanted to make a really fun, colorful, delicious book where people wouldn't feel bored or stuck or like healthy was boring. Um, so it really is all about, you know, cleansing recipes, cleansing foods um, that boost your immunity, that just do all these wonderful things for you. And I, not only do I have like over 70 recipes, but I also have a modern food pyramid um, list of like why you should eat foods, certain foods, why you shouldn't eat certain foods or why you should eat them more in moderation. And it's a really good tool for our, 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 our green drink members. After you have green drink first thing in the morning, what well now, well now what? Um, it's a really good tool for them. And V tries to provide them a lo lots of new fresh tools and tips every week. She does a handout uh, for our members. I also have a blog where I'm very active on my blog with modern um, things, the things that are going on. Well, when I opened up with, with the invention of the blender and Hippocrates, let food be thy medicine, let medicine be thy food, you guys are nutritional healers. That, that, that's how I position you. Do you think of yourself as anything else or is that your niche? I wouldn't even say we think of ourselves that way, but that's j j just what happened. 
right. just through all the, the, the testimonials and the, the, the ailments that people have had for years and have tried everything. And then they do, do, do green drink for a month, a year, and their gout is gone, their diabetes is gone, they're not taking certain, certain medications. We knew none of this was good. That really wasn't the plan. We really enjoyed it. It was really good for us and good for her meal clients. But we had no idea that we were going to get all these testimonials. And I mean, people just came pouring in telling us. I mean, there was one time this lady literally came into our office. She said, I want a job here. And I said, oh, okay, who are you? She said, I just, I've been on your product for a year. I lost a hundred pounds. I no longer have type two diabetes or Graves disease. I'm off all my medications and I can sell this product to anybody. Wow. And we said, oh, okay. Now, now your sales force is your clientele. <laughs> yeah. Sheffy, let, let, let me close with you. If somebody is thinking about this, they want to start their own thing based upon their passion and their mission. What do you want them to think about the prospects of creating their own enterprise? I feel like if you're passionate about something, then go full force um, and you're going to be successful because if you're trying to copy someone or do something that someone else is doing, you're always going to be in the shadow. So if you're the first, if you create something and you're passionate about it, people are going to copy you. You want to be copied, not copying somebody else. So just, you know, you can learn from other people and, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants, people that have done it before us, definitely. But, you know, you want to be unique and creative and have your own niche. That, I think, if you do that and have that, you're going to be so successful. No one can touch you. And I think, Brandon, from your point, you, there were some unintended consequences about who you became. You became nutritional healers. What do you want the business person, the entrepreneur to do when they are presented with an opportunity to turn, and, turn an idea into an enterprise? What do you suggest? Uh, well, I want them to keep in mind that it's all about m marketing. You, you, like, you really need orders and revenue can solve a lot of problems. If you have orders and people that want your stuff, then you can build a business. But if you don't have orders or, or, or revenue coming in, it's very, very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah, what you're suggesting is blending the idealism of this wonderful thing with the practicality <laughs> that you got to get money in the bank. Exactly. Yeah. Where those two mix, where you have a passion and you can make money, that's really where you want to be focused. Well, I'm going to leave it there. And to our listening audience, thank you for tuning in. You have listened to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. My guest this evening was Chef V, Veronica Wheat, and her partner, Brandon Kress. Let me leave them with where do they find you, Chef V, if somebody wanted to now inquire about your enterprise and your drink, where do you find you? So we are online at chefv.com. Uh, we mainly deliver basically to the whole United States, minus a couple of states in the middle, like Texas and obviously Hawaii, Alaska, mm -hmm. um, and Florida we do not. But mainly every other state, we do some sort of delivery there. Uh, or if you're local, we have two storefronts, one in San Marcos, California, which is North San Diego, and the other one is in West Caldwell, New Jersey. So you can come in, check out the facility, um, you can see where all the magic happens, or it's made, and we also have a, an array of other items that you can buy at our retail stores. Well, Chef V and Brandon, thank you very much for coming on to the Climb to the Top. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Thanks, Chef. Chuck.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.